0: Hey there, Knicks fans! How you doing? It's your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We are coming at you, recording on a uh, Thursday afternoon. So, if any craziness happens on Thursday night, I can't imagine what crazy thing could ever happen with this team, but you never know. Um, we won't be talking about it here. The we, of course, is someone that I am proud to say now. Is a colleague of mine. Uh, Can I introduce you as New York Knicks beat reporter? Is that appropriate?
1: Sure, I guess. I don't know. Are we any more beat reporters now than we were before? I don't. don't, Given a wonderful opportunity to actually cover games?
0: I don't think one credential makes you a beat reporter. I think the whole. I don't. I should probably know the genesis of where the word beat comes from in beat reporter, but I'm not going to pretend that I do. It's uh,
1: it's sort of I sort of know it. it's it, beats aren't exclusive just to sports. It's, you know, it's across all of newspapers, um, but there's
0: a consistency implied.
1: Exactly. It's like yeah. walking a beat, you know, as a cop or it's, whatever. It's like you're go. doing that. You're doing the same thing every day. So it's like you could be on the crime beat. You could be on the Knicks beat. You could be on the, you know, um, whatever so police then, beat, you know, whatever. It, I, I, all of them seem to center around crime. Those are big. Those are big ones. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the Knicks are, are something of a crime scene at, at times. Um, so I guess then Alex Wolf, I cannot introduce either of us as Nick's beat reporters. I could introduce us as, uh, colleagues in arms, uh, in that we both got to walk through the, um, Nick's employee cafeteria on our way to the, the Fisdale press conference. Did you grab any food by the way? Uh, when you covered the game,
1: I did, I got a, um, Carnegie deli roast or uh roast beef corned beef sandwich. Ah, how was, was it? Very good. It was, it was good. I okay. mean I've had Carnegie Carnegie Deli uh corned beef before. I did not realize they had that at the garden, which was a pleasant surprise. So
0: I did the Fuku uh chicken sandwich, which I'm Yeah, a, see they didn't
1: they didn't have that when I was there. I think they just like picked different things depending probably. on the night.
0: I, I was yeah. a big fan. There was there was someone who was most definitely a beat reporter that was not a big fan of it. I won't um I won't say who that person is, but um I, I, I respectfully disagree with their opinion on that sandwich. It was very good. Um, so let's see. Um, the New York Knicks, New York Knickerbockers are four and 10. Um, they have won three of their last seven games with the exception of, of, um, the night against Cleveland. They've been, I don't know, competent. Are they a competent team? You, you could argue the night
1: against Chicago, they were pretty incompetent, I, just I by know. how hard they got blitzed in the fourth quarter.
0: That you know, but I keep I keep thinking about that game because I keep wanting to say, with the exception of one game, blah 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 blah, and like, if you were going to draw up a game plan for the fourth quarter of that game, wouldn't the game plan be let let the kid who's shooting twenty let the rookie excuse me teenager who's shooting twenty one percent from deep shoot it every time he wants, even after he's made like the first one or two or three. Like, I I, I don't know.
1: I'm... If he makes one or two, fine. But once he hits, like, the third or the fourth, then maybe start shadowing him a little See, bit this more. Is that, where, was, that was my exception. This is where I the
0: mean... math teacher in me is coming out. The uh, yeah. Theoretically, every one of those shots was a shot that Nick should have wanted him to take more than the previous one because the odds are that he will – the odds increase with every shot. That, but that's not really how basketball works, I guess.
1: No, not quite. I mean, not it's quite. it's a game of runs. You know, it's a game of runs for the teams and for players. That's you know what true. I mean? Like, Kobe White is definitely – I mean, if you read the scouting report on him, regardless of what his, his uh – Shooting percentages were for his first twelve games of his career, ten yeah. games, whatever it was at that point.
0: No, he could shoot. He's a shooter.
1: You still know he could shoot. I mean, yeah. they literally worked him out. They know him very well. <laughs> <laughs> one, one,
0: well, Phil Jackson wasn't there, so nobody theoretically slept through uh, the workout. So yes,
1: they they should no, know him. Fisdale, Fisdale spoke very kindly of him after the game. Like, was like, oh, I remember that from our workout. Blah blah blah. He can definitely heat up. It's like, okay, so you knew this. That's good to know. You knew. <laughs> you knew. Um. All right. Regardless of that. I'll ask
0: you, are, is, are the New York Knicks a competent—I actually kind of want to ask this in a two-part question. Are the New York Knicks a competent basketball team right now in your estimation? And part, sub-part A of that question are, is, do you have any more faith than you did—what um, was last Sunday? Uh, Ten days ago? Um, mm-hmm. That they are a competent basketball organization.
1: Uh, that's really that's really painting with broad strokes, but I mean, I think i I definitely think right now they're playing like a competent team. um the game against Philly really showed me something about the fact that they this like new defensive scheme that they're using and stuff doesn't only work against bad teams it can also work against <laughs> good teams
0: we were um, all wondering the same thing I mean
1: yeah, but like the sixers are the see i'm I'm still waiting to see, and I guess we'll see maybe with San Antonio. Uh, I would say definitely with Brooklyn. Oh yeah. Um, to see how it works with a team that actually has Joe Harris like, and Kyrie Irving on it. Yeah. No, I was gonna say above average, um, perimeter shooting.
0: Well, I mean jo- Joe Harris and and Kyrie Irving, I would say. Are both oh probably. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess yeah, those two. But I mean, other than just that, you know, like as a team. Oh you know yeah, I mean? no, like, for sure. Yeah. I like guess. the Nets are like built to be a perimeter shooting team. Like they, in addition to those two, they they basically built the whole roster to be able to shoot threes more or less, you know, other than, like, DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen. Um, But other than that, they're looking for that from pretty much every player. Uh, The Spurs sort of do that as well. I mean, maybe not quite as much because they do a lot of mid-range, which I think we might potentially see another really good effort from the Knicks again on Saturday. Saturday's the next game, right?
0: Uh, That's Saturday, San Antonio, Sunday's Brooklyn, then Toronto, then Philly and Boston.
1: uh, Unless Popovich, like, really rips apart this new defense that they've been running, like – the Spurs are another team that could potentially fall victim to it because basically, I mean, I, I give Fisdale credit or whoever thought this scheme up. It's been pretty brilliant for hiding the deficiencies of, like, Randall and Portis out there on defense because, I mean, I noticed it when I was at the game, the the second Cleveland game. Like, it, just based off where the, the like, press seating is, like, the view that you get or like, the baseline. Oh, yeah. I, I was looking, and I'm like, damn, like, this is great. This is really. It was basically a three-two zone, but like with aggressive doubling, and that is advanced enough to work, but simple enough that like Randall and Portis don't get lost in it. I'm, only, I'm I, trying
0: to figure out how. How does that? Because I've had the same opinion. And I'm like, wait a minute. This something doesn't make sense. Because it's how how can
1: that be? That they're getting it so well.
0: Yeah, it's because. I don't want to say either of them. I, I, I don't like saying the term low IQ player because I don't think that's fair and I think it's probably oversimplistic, but we've seen them repeated over the course of their careers and this year, like, space out on plays. So oh, it's they're like,
1: both definitely low IQ defensive players. It's, um, yeah. It's, I mean, you no, say that. No, it is that. what I it mean, is. I understand that that usually con- it, Like, some people would be like, oh, that comes with some connotations of whatever, you yeah. know, like race or whatever, but I, I don't mean that in any way about them as people. They no, like no, crazy, of course, yeah. But... On the defensive end, on a basketball career, yeah, they're they're low IQ players. I mean, they're and, and not low, good
0: at, and low awareness players. Yeah. at times, yeah.
1: But I, I think that basically what's happening is it's it makes it easy on them because then you have, I mean, Frank especially has basically been floating around like a free safety, up at the top. You know, like he's the initial point of attack defense. But then once the shit hits the fan and the play starts developing and they start looking for that double, Frank is always right there. But he has the recovery speed on defense to then turn around and and defend somebody again or whatever, you know, like kind of like what we saw in that last play against Charlotte, like Frank, Frank was, you know, any other defender would probably be dead in the water right there. And Frank got as good of a contest as you could have possibly gotten on Graham there. And it just so happened that Graham hit the shot. But I mean, he's, yeah, he's great. And this defense has been great. I think, you know, like I said, again, it's, it's great because it's simple, but advanced. Like it's just different. You know, I I think it's the main thing. It's and and, yeah.
0: Yeah. Go ahead. No, I I was just thinking what I've what I kinda noticed is in the Charlotte game that that I was covering and and also I guess to a certain extent last night, although maybe not as much, it's that when teams are willing slash cognizant enough to make the extra, extra, extra pass, that's when um that's when this defense kind of really gets into into problems and i feel like that has happened in in the fourth quarter um a lot like of late especially but i mean i i don't know i mean it it's gotten better thus far this year theoretically it could continue to get better right i mean it, that makes sense
1: mm-hmm. well like basically my observation of it and i mean i'm no expert you know i'm not i'm not going yeah, you know to claim to be but yeah i it, like basically what it seems like to me is they're selling out for turnovers. Like, they're, they're big-time selling out for turnovers, and it's been working. Like, so, you know, I'm, I'm looking... I'm pulling up the stats here real quick because I just want to see what Philly shot from three last night.
0: I think they were 11 for... Off the top of my head, I want to say they were 11 they were for 28. Is that right?
1: 13 for, thir- 13 for 32. Oh, okay. So, cool. so they shot 41%, which is a good number. But, like, again, you know, we... Ran into a thing, and and this got skewed a little bit down the down the stretch. But like the Knicks forced so many turnovers on them, you know, and, and just like forced the action. I guess I mean it, they actually the Sixers didn't turn it over quite as much as I thought. It was only ten times. But well, but the Knicks. So the
0: Knicks had eight steals, which is mm-hmm. right around their their season average. I mean, they're one of the best teams in the league in steals per uh, per hundred possessions. They, I mean, it's definitely yeah. working. You know, it's a going according to plan. I guess. I, to your original point about is this going to work against better teams I think what we saw last night for three quarters was a sixer team that was not that they weren't playing not that they weren't taking the Knicks seriously but they were maybe not as locked in as they as they could have been um, and then through the fourth quarter I felt like we you know they were like alright or maybe not even in the fourth quarter starting in the late third quarter I mean I looked it up this morning I couldn't I, I had to look and make sure I was correct. From the three twenty mark of the third quarter, so basically the last fifteen minutes and twenty seconds of the game, the Sixers scored forty nine points.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah, they they absolutely blitzed the next to end the game. I mean, that end of the third quarter run where they went they ripped off that ten zero run. Yeah. came like in the blink of an eye. Like it's, I you know, I felt like I barely even realized it was happening until it happened. And look, you the know?
0: Sixers were. Does what were they the second or third uh, odds-on um, favorite to to win the championship th- this year? I think they're still probably you know oh, yeah they're they're, they're a real contender yeah I know, mean, they're they're, they're, legit they're one of the best teams in the league they they do have some shooting they may not you know have as much shooting without Reddick on the team and and uh, what's his face
1: Landry Shaman
0: but it's I mean Scott Corkmez I mean these guys are you know they're they're threats um Harris actually showed up and hit some and they were without team.
1: Richardson last night too that's which right a they big, were a, that was that's that's, a
0: big loss. that's true. But look, I mean, I don't know which is the real Knicks—the team that held the Sixers to uh, 60 points through whatever in the third quarter, or the one that gave up, you know, 59 the rest of the way. It's, I mean, it's probably somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, oh yeah, of, I
1: guess I should get back to your initial question. Right, well, that's I, that's
0: <laughs> that's why I was like posing it that way. What's so? What are the real Knicks? I mean, I feel like a team that even even when they, not I don't want to say break down, but maybe can't always um, pull it out, let's say, against the very best teams in the league. I still think you, I still feel like you could be a competent basketball team and, and be in that situation.
1: Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I, I would say uh, – so I'll say a few things. One, that my confidence in Fizdale has gone back to the point where – and I mean we talked about this. I remember – when I, Gavin and I had you unlocked on Knicks. Oh, I remember. Uh, I think we, we talked about this about whether Fisdale is going to be the coach. We talked to Terry from uh, Terry and Trey about this as well, about whether he was going to be like the coach. And our prevailing thoughts going into the season were like, well, we think he could be the coach for now, but not necessarily the guy that's going to take them to Title Town, you know? But I, I still kind of feel that way, but I was feeling. You know, after that Cavs game last week, I was like, all right, I'm about ready to pull the plug on him at this point because, you know, things just aren't working. His rotations were crap. They had no defensive identity. They had no offensive identity. And they still don't really have an offensive identity, which is (laughs) still kind of a problem. Well, they... Um, they have one.
0: I don't know if it's a good one.
1: Yeah, they have one. And it's not a good one. I mean, because really what happened yesterday, too, was you had Frank Nilekina out there running things and he didn't get a lot of assists. But obviously he scored a ton of points yesterday yeah. by his standards. Um, 17, which is like may as well be 50 for Frank. <laughs> um, but like, you know, he scored a bunch and was getting the ball moving in in a pleasing way. And you run into it every time where when he comes out of the game, that that seems to evaporate because it's like he is like the quarterback right now. And then when he comes out, it's like the running wildcat, but trying to pass the ball. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it just it doesn't work. It's like it's like putting a running back in at quarterback whenever they take Frank out anymore, even if they have Dennis Smith in there, who's nominally a point guard. Yeah, he, uh, you know, I'm
0: I'm happy you said nominally a point guard. And and look, this is not to throw any shade at Dennis Smith Jr., who actually thought played a really good game last night. And I don't I don't put that third quarter run. Um, on him, I mean, I, you know, there's very few players in the league who bring the defensive intensity that that Frank does, and that was definitely um, palpably missed when he went off the floor. But I actually thought DSJ ran a, a, a perfectly fine offense when he was in the game in the second half. Um, I, I yeah. just it. You I know. think he's
1: pretty good. I mean, I like, and you you won't find a bigger Dennis Smith supporter than me. But it just depends on like what Dennis Smith you get any given night, because um, like dsj could go could you know get you eight or nine assists like he did in that one dallas game or he could get you zero and i i find with dsj that to me at least it always seems like he's the type of player that needs to get himself going before he gets others going well that's the thing i mean, I mean and,
0: last i checked he was still leading the team in field goal attempts per uh
1: 36 minutes um, mm-hmm. so i mean that's I mean, he was it third it on the team. He was third on the team in shot attempts last night in only 15 minutes. He had nine attempts in 15 minutes. Yeah, so, and, and
0: I, I mean, look, if it's going to be your second unit point guard, and but it's t- you know what the problem is, it's tough to have that guy. Like you know who could do that? Lou Williams could do that because Lou. And uh, granted, Dennis Mitchell Jr. has more uh, penetration and passing ability than Lou Williams, but Lou Williams is you know obviously one of the best shooters in the league, and Dennis Mitchell Jr. Um, despite the fact that I think... What did he make? Two of... I think he had hit two
1: threes last night. Mm-hmm. Um, he was two of three, actually, yeah. I mean, yeah. he had a good shooting performance, don't get me wrong. It's yeah,
0: just, it's just... It's tough. I, I don't know. It's tough. You need to have a really, I feel like, specific type of second unit for that to work. And also, it's like, that, that kind of puts... Because I think that's... We're, now we're getting to the whole reason why Trier's not playing. Trier's not playing, in my opinion, because it's like they have this like ball movement thing going on the first unit the second unit and then with dsj it's at when if like kind of what we're talking about when he's at his best it's not really it's not really that type of offense where the ball's like pinging around it's more like like you said i'm gonna get myself going and then i'm gonna generate offense off of myself
1: yeah i mean dsj's ideal on offense would be you know, if he could develop just enough of a three point shot to keep guys honest and on him on the perimeter. That's all I would think. Yeah, then if they're playing him tight, then he can get by anybody if they're playing tight defense on him. Like if they're sagging off, they can recover. But if they're playing tight on him on the three point line, he can get by anybody. And then if he can get by them, then you want to surround him with shooting. Um, or like quick cutters, you know, like he actually runs a pretty good pick and roll, I think with Mitch, yes. uh, in particular, but everybody kind of runs a good pick and roll with Mitch. Cause he's like maybe one of the best pick and roll threats in the NBA right now. I think I'm willing to say that at this point already. I need, um,
0: I need him to be a little bit more consistent setting those screens, but he's been better. He's been better I, at it.
1: Yeah. I mean more like his ability to finish out of the pick. and oh, roll. Oh, I, I think he's, a, uh, I mean, top he, three, top five. Sure. I don't know. Oh, he's, I, he's right a question. Around yeah, definitely. Yeah. He still needs to work on setting harder screens. I think his body's still developing in that way, though. Like he's still kind of like relatively thin by NBA center standards. But
0: well, I uh, I wanted when I preseason was like uh, wrote something that said basically Julius and Mitch should try to aspire to be Blake Griffin and uh, and Andre Drummond. I, I maybe didn't account enough for the fact that uh, Andre has I don't know a hundred pounds on Mitchell Robinson, something like that, close to it.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, big but I mean, I mean, I think Mitch. I don't know if Mitch will ever get super, super beefy, but I think that he'll get like, uh, like Tyson Chandler strong. That's at a certain point.
0: And, but that's fine. That's and that's Tyson really Chandler was be. very
1: strong as a you know when he was in his at his peak like around the Knicks time like as far as physicality goes. I mean, he was. He still looked relatively thin, but, I mean, he could hold up against anybody. You could put freaking Shaq on him, and he could have defended Shaq. You know what I mean? Like, he was just, like, wiry and and strong, and I think that's Mitch's future probably.
0: Got to think the New York Knicks had a Defensive
1: Player of the Year award winner on their team
0: in the last 10 years.
1: Um, they could have another one for this decade pretty soon with Mitch. If he keeps I, going or Frank quick Well, quite I hard. was about
0: to say, yeah, listen— I know we were all. I'm, listen, I was leading the the Mitchell Robinson bandwagon, and I still am very much on it. Um, but yeah, no, Frank, what he's showing, um, boy, I. So you're you're yes to competent. I, I'm I, I'm with you. Um, i I feel like, and just to, to go back to the Fizdale point that you or w- what you were saying before, if we, if we break this season down, I mean, I know people wanted to do like the ten game increments, but like if you do like the first eight games when they were one and seven and then the last seven where the, when they're three and four and have looked, you know, again, say what you want about the Chicago game, the Cleveland, the first Cleveland game obviously stands out as an anomaly, but like they've been, you know, they have like a minus two point something net rating over the last seven games. Like that's, you know, that's real team stuff, you
1: know. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty solid, and I think if they ever figure out how to play offense together, particularly down the stretch, like they could actually win some games against good do teams. You,
0: so that's a, that's the other thing I wanted to ask you basketball-wise, is like, it. I feel like people have so many theories at this point, um, many many of which come from posting and toasting, and they're all, listen, they're all valid. I mean, Schwinn has his takes, Dallas has his takes, you know, I love Dallas. Um, you know, some of, you know, People on Nick's Film School have their takes. I guess I just like there's not like one thing I could point to to be like if we just fix that or if we just adjusted that or if this one player or these two players would stop doing X, Y, and Z. I feel like it's an amalgamation of a lot of different little things that and like those different little things could rear their respective heads on any given night. Um, but enough of them rear their heads every night to the point that you know there's still the whatever the third worst offense in the league
1: yeah i'm with you i mean there's definitely you can put names to some of those ugly things too we unfortunately. can we can uh one of them is Ju- named julius uh a lot of time i mean there was one play last night i could normally okay so i mean i tweet off the posting and toasting account you know like most nights and i'll, I'll do like little clips and stuff um sometimes on there and normally i only clip highlights because that's fun but last night i couldn't help myself i was like this this play was so bad. Wait, the R- Ran- the RJ in the corner? Yes. RJ, Randall got out in transition. RJ was wide open in the corner. He looks over at RJ once, continues dribbling, looks over at RJ again, who's still wide open. Well, he wanted to dribbling. make sure
0: he knew that he saw him.
1: Yeah. Continues <laughs> I, I see dribbling over again. there. <laughs> Poor RJ is like clapping his hands, clapping his hands, clapping his hands. Finally, Randall almost turns the ball over and it goes out to Frank. RJ then like throws his arms up in the air trying to get Frank's attention but Frank then at that point it was busted and Frank couldn't have thrown it over there because someone would have stolen it and RJ just had such a disappointed look on his face and I'm like that's exactly the type of stuff that's kind of killing the Knicks down the stretch is that you got guys like Randall and then there was even another look where Morris I think could have hit Frank at one point and decided to take it himself um and there was another one like down the stretch of the game a key moment morris had a i think it was i think it was a 3 on 2 um with uh, i think it was frank oh, frank I, and rj maybe I, were running with him yeah and morris uh you know looked both of them off and went in for the transition layup attempt and probably got fouled but it didn't get called and then morris hit the deck because he decided to take that take so hard you know what i mean and so then the Sixers had a 5 on 4 going the other way while Morris was still recovering and they hit a 3 and then that you know that took it from a 1 point game to a 4 point game and then the rest was history. So it's it's little plays like that that you know individually aren't a huge deal but over the course of a whole game really add up. Um that have been screwing the Knicks in a lot of cases I think.
0: Yeah, and you know it's interesting you said names and I'm sure that the other name that that is going to come to a lot of uh, the tips of a lot of Knicks fans' tongues is Marcus Morris, and I I get it because Morris he take he's shooting. Uh, I looked up this morning. He's shooting. I'll, I'll ask you if you take a guess. What do you think Marcus Morris is shooting from two point range this year?
1: Oh well, I actually I kind of cheated because I was looking at the stats right before. I didn't oh, look okay. at his two point percentage. I know he's shooting about forty percent overall and forty five percent from three. So I'm gonna say about like thirty seven. Thirty seven exactly. Two. Yeah, if I yeah. if
0: I remember correctly, he's shooting thirty seven percent from two. Um because he takes I don't know, three, four, five maybe shots from two every game that you're like, um, I wish you would either just step behind the line or just just continue swinging the ball. That said, when Marcus Morris is on the court, the Knicks have a 105.1 offensive rating. When he's off the court, that goes down to 93.8. That's a massive swing. Julius Randle, on the other hand, 102.1 on 100 off. Obviously, much, much, much um, smaller difference. I feel like, you know, and I I don't want to put all the blame on Randle because, like, uh, so give me give me your take for this. Fizz said, I think after the. I think it was after the Charlotte game. Maybe it was before another game. It's all running together in my head. At some point, he said the words, there's no superstar on this team. We're a team without any stars, or something to that effect. But Mm. it's pretty clear that they don't operate that way. They operate as a team that Julius Randle, I don't know if he's like. Head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of the respect he gets for like, all right, we're gonna clear out for Julius now, and that's okay because it's Julius. But like, there's he gets leeway that nobody else gets.
1: I think that I think Randall and I think to some degree Morris both get that treatment. Um, Morris
0: though more in just like, all right, if you're open, you don't get you don't have to look and see if there's a pass there to be made. You could take the open shot. Which I guess goes for everybody to a certain extent, but it like it really goes for Marcus Morris.
1: No, but they also run a number of designed ISOs for him too. I mean, I can't even fault him for shooting every three that he possibly wants to right now because he's like well, that's he's fine. like burning the nets up right now. You know what I mean? It's shooting like 40, 45, 46 percent from three. I mean that's that's maybe, ridiculous. Maybe I'm like not
0: maybe I'm just not as as hard on him because when Morris does it it's like it at least strikes me as like quicker. Um, whereas Julius kind of, you know, is maybe more meandering. I don't know.
1: I guess but also I – just- I mean the, the perception of those two players to me is also affected by the fact that Marcus Morris busts his butt on defense. Mm-hmm. And also kind of lately I've noticed at least has been more willing to make the extra pass than Randall has been. Um, I mean just for example, even even in last night's game, Morris had six assists and, you know, that led the team which I'm surprised to see, quite frankly. But, um, you know, it's it's stuff like that. Like, he's he's been – like, as the season's gone on, Morris started off kind of looking like he was doing a, a knockoff Carmelo Anthony impression <laughs> and has eased into more of the player that we knew that he was but just on a higher usage. Whereas Randall, in many ways, seems to be digging himself further into the trenches of, like, the bad stuff that we saw him doing at the beginning of the season when – He should be getting more comfortable with his teammates and stuff like that, and and, you know things should be improving with him rather than kind of staying the same. I mean, he's—I
0: want to say he's turning it over less, but even that's probably—he is a a little bit more because, well, but at the same time, why? If we're really looking at why is he turning it over less, and I'll I'll have something in tomorrow's or in Friday's newsletter. um, Is it just more that? those plays where he's like, all right, I'm supposed to be distributing the ball now. Instead, now he's just like, you know what, I'm just going to shoot it. Um, Because like in the first quarter last night, he wasn't making much of an effort to get anybody going. He took six shots in the first quarter last night, um, and only two of them went in, and they were the two threes he took.
1: So, What's really frustrating with Randall to me too is that there are moments where you realize that he can – do this like in an efficient way. Like there was even a, there was a play last night, like actually pretty much right before the one where he looked off RJ two times in a row. There was this like gorgeous play that they ran with him and uh, Marcus Morris where they just ran like a relatively simple give and go between yeah. the two of them. And I was like, this is so simple, but it was so effective because it just, it puts Randall in the situations where he's most, Useful, which is like driving with a head of steam north and south towards the hoop and just having to finish and, you know, absorb contact and stuff. The problem is he keeps always trying to go east and west, and that's just not his game. Like he's not getting by anybody in that way, like not even the guys that are, you know, the the actual like power forwards and centers on the floor. You know, that he, in theory, should be a little quicker then?
0: Yeah, but he's he, not. But he's know. not, and yeah. he thinks
1: he is, and that's the problem. And, you know, he's being trusted to do that, and that leads to just all those mid-range shots, and it's like, dude, you're not you're not like Carmelo Anthony. You know what I mean? Like, you're not prime Carmelo Anthony, I should say, like, where you can actually do this and have it be a good thing. <laughs> that was mean. Um, I it, mean, it is what it is. It, I mean, it, Melo it is, is. is who he is at this point, you know what I mean? Um, yeah.
0: I No, I, I'll be curious – I'll be curious what happens because again, like you know, every conversation with the Knicks always goes back to culture, right? And it's like, if if it was for the best, and if everybody kind of realized it was for the best that you know, less less Julius was was more, um, so to speak. Like, how how does that go down? Um, does it go down? Um, I, I just. I don't. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't. I don't know where that would come from. I don't know. I, I just. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but it's so we gotta f- finish up pretty soon because I have to go. Uh, I mean, what the hell? I'll tell folks. I have parent-teacher conferences tonight. Um, Alex, you are not a dad um, yet, but you will be someday, and you mm-hmm. will have to do parent-teacher conferences. And I want you to be kind to the teachers. Um, I always
1: will. I love teachers.
0: I mean, that's a little bit much. Teachers.
1: No, I'm serious. Teachers are like one of the most underappreciated professions they're, in this in this country, man. They're
0: they're fine. They're okay.
1: Um, <laughs> okay, all right. Well, okay. Keep selling yourself short, buddy. But uh, teachers are good, man. Oh, speaking, I, of I will, speaking of selling myself, I stand for myself, teachers, man. I stand for teachers. I'm I appreciate
0: good. it. Hold on, before we before I get your last question, very quickly, um, we haven't heard from our friends at, at Vivid Seats yet, which I have to remind people about because the holidays are coming, and I was actually just on Vivid Seats the other day. Looking for tickets because my anniversary is coming up um, on December Mine Yeah. Mine too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yours is December We're one 30th. day off, yeah. We're one day off. I'm December 13th. You're December uh, 14th, right? So I was looking for Broadway shows. Cause, um, so here's the thing about Vivid Seats. Um, one of the many perks is if you enter promo code overtime at checkout, you get to receive a discount of up to $100. I just looked on there the other day. They have um, – you got Hamilton up there. You got the Harry Potter, whatever the that's hell what that is.
1: That's what I'm trying to go see. You Are know, you? That's what I need. You're a Harry Potter mm-hmm. guy? Mhm. Mm-hmm.
0: Why am I not surprised?
1: I see, I actually I'm dead serious. I was I was gonna get my wife uh, Harry Potter cursed child tickets for our anniversary. She can't hear me right now. She kinda knows it anyway. So but.
0: I I was looking at mean girls. That's that's my okay. that's my lane. Um I stay in my I'm lane that. and that's and that's my lane. Um I don't I don't even know if my wife likes meme girls, but if I give it to her, I could at least do it under the guise of, Oh, you're a woman. You must like Mean Girls, and then be like, I really like me Girls." It's <laughs> like it's like Homer giving Marge the uh, the bowling ball. Bowling ball. Um, yep. <laughs> anyway, uh, as a reminder, Vivid Seats is your top source for tickets for anything you want to go to. Get the uh, Vivid Seats app. You go to the App Store or Google Play. Just download it, and you'll automatically be enrolled in the uh, Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, uh, which is great because you get all kinds of perks with that. And best of all, every purchase is backed by a hundred percent buyer guarantee. Uh, Don't forget, of course, once again, use that promo code OVERTIME at checkout. Receive a discount of up to $100. Before I let you go, you didn't answer the other part of my initial question that I asked you a half an hour ago. Um, James Dolan, uh, it would would seem, uh, trotted his GM and president of basketball operations out into the wilderness uh, 10 days ago. 11 days ago? 11 days ago. Um, Mm -hmm. And it caused all kinds of nonsense. And then there was a report. From a leak and a whole thing and laying the groundwork and I have and votes of confidence and all of the nonsense that we've become accustomed to for the last 20 years. How willing are you to, at this point, be like, it was a Dolan blip on the radar, we've moved on? Or is that going to stay with you in some way, shape, or form as the season goes forward?
1: It's not gonna stay with me any more than any other time has ever stayed with me. I mean, the reality is, is that as a cop out, they were (laughs) great. Yeah, well, no, but it's the truth. There were there were greater expectations coming into this season than there were for last season. And last season, all the losing was taken in stride. Fizdale not coming up with rotations was taken in stride because everything was under the guise of this year doesn't matter. We're tanking, like we're not tanking, but we're tanking, and. You know, it it was pretty obvious that Fizdale was basically just told, "Try out everybody in every possible configuration. Half these guys probably won't even be here next year. Just figure out something, you know, and then we'll reevaluate at the end of the season and all that stuff." Um, And that was basically all it was. But then this year, you know, they spent money, and but they they didn't just spend money on on filler players. They spent it on guys they thought could start the long road back to potential relevance they you spent know. it on Julius Randall they spent it on Randall which you know you, I, I think you and I and most people were like okay that's a smart spend you know for the amount of money they did relatively low risk but you know they got Morris they got Portis they got you know all these other guys and you know Morris and Portis you could well and Portis in particular you can make a case for like why did they spend that money on him hey, but- listen of all the
0: guys I mean look say what you want peyton has been hurt Randall's been what he's been um, you know,
1: well, Portis fills his role, but sometimes is like all the worst parts of Julius Randle turned up to 11. I, um,
0: I you know so, I I don't know I think I have a soft spot for Bobby Portis that might be my one of my flaws I I, I kind of like Bobby I'm not gonna lie I mean
1: him. I like him too when he's playing within himself and playing well and sort of with I shouldn't even just say within himself when he's playing within what the team wants to do I like him yeah. but every once in a while he hijacks it and yeah you know, and, and look turns I, it into all a Bobby of these out. guys are
0: are flawed I mean I think I think that's what you're are they're, they're yes they're, anyway
1: yeah. so to to get back before we go too long again and i keep you away from all those all those uh parents waiting for those
0: bloodthirsty parents yes
1: yes um basically i would say that i'm not like i'm not willing to be like yes james dolan i love him i never want him to sell the team whatever but i don't feel any different about the team now than i did then and at that time i was in agreement with the front office that if things didn't change or uh, the front office or by proxy james dolan that like That Cavs game was an embarrassment. And if things didn't start turning around after that, I would have been totally on board with firing Fizdale also. Because I think it you know, it's like it would have been irresponsible not to fire him if things kept going that way. Because you can't just keep like, you know, farting away like a whole half of the season or whatever, and then finally eventually, like just for optics, you know. Letting him like "quote unquote" have his chance or whatever, and then get fired. Yeah, um, you know, if he was performing that badly, which he was to that point, then you fire him. But now it seems like maybe he was keeping this new defensive scheme in his back pocket. Maybe things legitimately were <laughs> taking that long to to gel. Well, like that's... maybe it's possible he might have had a particular opponent in mind to unleash this defensive scheme on and, and kickstart things. Because um, that does happen in sports, you know, you you game plan this and be like, we're we've been practicing this for weeks, and I'm going to bring it out in this game against this opponent because I think it's going to be the most useful there, and then we'll ride it from there. Um, I mean,
0: look, there's no way to know this for I, sure, I but like, it, did the press conference give them the necessary kick in the ass, or was this coming anyway, and the press conference just stands as a a black a black eye on what would otherwise be a if not uplifting season at this point, um, more like. Something with like more, more overall league-wide positivity than there probably is because people will look past any good things that are coming out of this team right now. I'm not, I'm not saying us. I'm talking about league-wide. And listen, perception matters. We know this. Um, and and they're going to focus on what happened a week and a half ago. That's. I guess that's my only thing.
1: Yeah, I think that I think if the Knicks end up playing like they have these last few games oh, yeah. for the rest of the season. For sure. And at least staying it, people will forget all about the press conference. I, I, agree if they, I agree with that. If they fall back down, you know, and they start getting blown out again and Fisdale eventually gets fired, sure, people will look back at that press conference and be like, oh, that was where everything changed. And, you know, people will write their clown hit pieces on the Knicks and whatever, but that's going to happen regardless. You know, even if the Knicks have their best case scenario this year and end up, you know, eighth in lottery odds or something like that. There's going to be people writing pieces at the end of the year and during the off season saying everything was a failure. They didn't even come close to the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. Like they only won 27 games or whatever, you know, they might end up winning. And, yeah. You know, to, whereas to you and I, it's gonna be like, well, that's a 10 game improvement from last year. So I'll take that. If they can win 10 more games next year, maybe they do make the playoffs. So like, <laughs> you know, that's a pretty solid improvement to me. Yeah. Um, no, and but I we'll think... see. It's it's always gonna be, you know, the perception is always gonna be the Knicks are a clown show, even if they're not. They're, they're not think they're, necess- they're a clown don't show don't until they aren't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't think they're any more of a clown show now than they were a week ago. Let's put it that way.
0: I I, um, I think that's fair, and I think that's um... yeah. I think that's well said. I, I feel pretty good right now. I gotta say, I, I would like, I would like six and what are they? They played fifteen games. I would like uh, six and nine a lot more. Nice. You know, I said as the words were coming out of my mouth, I knew it. Yeah. I just you know, so you just
1: I, you, you threw a softball to me and I crushed it. Well, I don't know if you crushed it. You, you three run home run. <laughs> I'm not calling it a grand slam, but I'll call it a three run home run.
0: And on that note, um, Alex, uh, thank you for making time today. This this was fun. I just – I wanted to – I don't know. I felt like we needed one of these little, like, kind of State of the Knicks uh, podcasts. And there there is literally no one in the universe that I would rather do a State of the Knicks podcast with, other than maybe JB. But JB's State of the Knicks podcasts veer off into – they veer we veer through the woods and then we go up a mountain and then we go like into a like a hot air balloon and go to like a different continent um talking about god knows what um but with you it's it's more uh you know we're a little bit more grounded so i well it's
1: the it's the host in both of us (laughs) that we're able to keep things at least somewhat on topic and remember what we're supposed to be talking about
0: this this is true uh thank you very much for hopping on um anything you want to plug promote before you go
1: yeah, I mean, I'll just plug all of my various ventures. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at oh The God. Alex Wolf.
0: Go on the internet and you will find Alex Wolf. That's really Yeah, crazy.
1: you can you find me on Twitter at The Alex Wolf. You can read me on Posting and Toasting sometimes, SB Nations blog. Uh, find them at PT Nix blog. Find me tweeting there during games. Listen to Locked On Nix. Uh, I, I I always feel weird saying it, but it's the best Knicks podcast in the world. Um, <laughs> it's a great you're, you're, podcast. Yours is good too. Uh, <laughs> the one that I'm on right now. Uh, you can follow us at Locked On Knicks, Um and then now you can check me out on Sports Illustrated. Hopefully, more coming up soon. Uh, so si.com slash nba slash Knicks, uh, or follow at Knicks SI on Twitter. So I actually ju- I
0: always forget if it's SI Knicks or Knicks SI, and I actually ju- I had to look it up. So it's yeah, it's at Knicks SI. So yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I memorized that shit like immediately. Look at you. You, got, <laughs> you gotta know yeah. how to promote yourself. That's, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Listen, if if you're listening to this podcast and you're not um at the very least following Alex on uh on Twitter and subscribing to Locked On Nicks. Um and and honestly, like check out posting and toasting every day. Like I don't check out anything every day. Uh, I don't have time to, but I check out posting and toasting every day because you guys are just you know, it's good, funny, informative. Um, stuff and you're at the head of that, so you get the lion's share of the credit, my friend. It has been um, good talking to you. I'm sure this will not be the last time we talk. Uh, this I was about to say this season, probably this uh, this year. Month, um, yeah, m- month, yeah. year, or whatever it is, week, day. Um, all right, but thanks for coming on, and of course, everybody out there, thanks for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, we will be back with you with another episode. Um, I believe it'll drop on Monday morning our usual sunday show with jeremy cohen i will talk to you later giddy up me